an over 800% increase, warring five U.S. senators. More than 18,000 Chinese nationals have illegally crossed the U.S. border this year. The question remains, who are they and why are they here? Chinese electric car maker NIO losing $35,000 for each car it sells. But huge subsidies from Beijing are helping keep the company afloat and even helping it grow. A Category 4 typhoon hits Taiwan, leaving at least one dead. I was so scared, my hands cramped up. As the storm brings heavy rain and winds to the island, what's the forecast for neighbor China? Plus, free COVID-19 test kits from the White House. But where is the money for them really going? Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. An urgent call for action. Five U.S. senators penning a letter to the head of Homeland Security, urging him to take immediate action on a rising threat. One they say involves over 18,000 illegal Chinese immigrants that crossed into the U.S. this year. Let's zoom in. How big is the influx of illegal Chinese migrants through the border? An over 800 percent spike compared to last year. Over 18,000 Chinese people illegally crossed into the U.S. through the southern border in 2023, compared to a little over 2,000 last year and around 400 in 2021. Lawmakers saying over 90 percent of the illegal Chinese immigrants in 2023 are single adults. Officials argue they could engage in espionage activities or cyber attacks against critical infrastructure. The road to America through the south is dangerous. Illegal migrants trek through muddy rainforests on foot and cross rushing rivers by boat. Some escaped China over fear of Beijing's authoritarian rule. But for authorities, gauging who truly needs protection can be a touchy subject. Is the PRC exploiting the crisis at our southern border for their own personal gain? I think we should assume that any vulnerabilities at our southern border are open for authoritarian influence of many kinds. I think that's a, that's a safe assumption. Um, if, if the gaps are there, then those who are working uh, against us are going to use them to their advantage. Calls to address the issue are on the rise. With the threat of terror, um, fentanyl and other illicit drugs that are coming in, and the human trafficking that's going on, um, I think it uh, should be called to attention because is the communist Chinese government exploiting our southern border being open, just like they've done with fentanyl. Fentanyl has killed more Americans than car accidents and cancer. To put it in perspective, the drug killed over 70,000 Americans in 2021. That's about one person every eight minutes. The drug flow breaking families in the U.S. Now, if we had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year, and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children, 200,000 because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. 
Last year, U.S. authorities confiscated over 300 million doses of fentanyl, enough to lethally dose the entire U.S. population. Much of the precursors used to make the drug get made in China, with some of them then pressed into pills in Mexico and smuggled into the U.S. through the southern border. The White House is giving away free COVID-19 test kits, and they're made in China. Over 600 million taxpayer dollars are funding the campaign. Over half of that money has flowed to companies tied to China. How did it happen? Looking to stock up 200 million test kits, the U.S. government awarded the funding to 12 manufacturers. One of them took the lion's share, earning almost $170 million. The California lab is called iHealth. It's a subsidiary of a medical device maker based in one of China's megacities. And one of its biggest shareholders has been accused of aiding Beijing's censorship efforts. Back to the deal, iHealth had struggled with financial issues for years. But the multi-million contract brought its revenue to a record high. In 2022 alone, U.S. orders for its test kits made up almost 99 percent of the company's sales. Among the major U.S. buyers are state health departments of New York and Massachusetts and a U.S. military command office. Besides the company, another of the 12 awardees has a San Diego address but is linked to Beijing. The head of its parent firm serves as a high-profile Chinese official. Speaking about the situation to the Epic Times, Kansas Senator Roger Marshall described the test kit's deal as an overreaction by the CDC and White House. Echoing those concerns, Senator Joni Ernst says the U.S. should stay skeptical of cooperating with Chinese companies. The White House and several of the awarded manufacturers have not responded to requests for comment. Is the U.S. sliding away from the one-China policy? Congressman Tom Tiffany proposed four related amendments aiming to boost U.S.-Taiwan ties, all of them passing the chamber in recent days. Here's a closer look. Representative Tom Tiffany is urging Washington to abandon the one-China policy, calling it antiquated and dishonest. Topping his agenda is China's extended map issue. The just-approved amendment now blocks Washington from acknowledging any map that marks Taiwan as Chinese territory in any form. Tiffany says China is China and Taiwan is Taiwan, adding the island is not and has never been part of communist China. He told NTD's Capitol Report host Steve Lance that... It is really important, and that's part of the reason we're introducing this bill, is to show strength. And I think Congress has a key role to play in that. And that Washington would benefit from ties to Taipei. We believe the one China policy needs to end, and we believe in a free, democratically run Taiwan, and we should recognize them as such. The new legislation has swept out administrative barriers that hinder the U.S.-Taiwan cooperation. It ends the travel restrictions for Taiwan officials visiting the U.S., it also lifts restrictions on U.S. officials when it comes to how they interact with their Taiwan counterparts. Trump's administration had removed the communication restrictions, but President Biden reimposed them after he started his term. The four admittments come along Beijing's mounting military aggression toward the island. Are China-based electric car companies playing fair with Western EV makers? A new New York Times report suggests that Chinese companies may be using unfair market tactics to get ahead. Chinese electric car maker NIO is losing $35,000 for each car it sells. 
but according to the report, NIO and other China-based EV companies are getting tremendous state backing, allowing them to withstand losses they normally couldn't. On top of that, state backing helps the companies grow even while losing money. Back in 2020, NIO was running out of money. Local officials gave the company $1 billion to keep it operating. In light of this, European lawmakers have officially launched an investigation into electric car manufacturers in China. They are worried that markets are being flooded with cheap Chinese EVs and that prices for them are kept artificially low by state subsidies. China's businesses are having a difficult time. Here are some quick updates. Chinese tech giant Huawei is developing its chip-making know-how in the wake of U.S. sanctions. And some Taiwanese firms are reportedly aiding it. Obviously, no surprise to us that Huawei will be looking uh, to find ways to continue uh, uh, illicit production of, of semiconductors and particularly uh, working uh, throughout the PRC to do that. When asked if the U.S. effort to grow its own semiconductor factories is pushing Taiwan towards Beijing, the White House said it's confident it can protect chip security with its current export curbs, but noted it would constantly reevaluate to see if change is needed. More from Capitol Hill, U.S. senators are keeping a close eye on TikTok's recent personnel changes. Allegedly, several high-profile executives from parent company ByteDance will soon start work in the U.S. branch. ByteDance reportedly has close connections with the Chinese regime. Concerns about TikTok and U.S. national security have become a bipartisan issue. The short video platform has over 150 million American users. Many U.S. lawmakers are pushing the ban the app nationwide. At the same time, Indonesia has banned TikTok's e-commerce platform. That's to protect offline businesses. Though some sellers on the platform have raised fears that their income could suffer because of it. TikTok sought to funnel its massive online user group into its new online shopping market with over 125 million active users. Chinese-made electric vehicles are also facing tighter restrictions in Europe. The Commission has today launched an anti-subsidy investigation into imports of battery electric vehicles from China. Beijing immediately rebuked the decision, expressing strong dissatisfaction and saying it would firmly safeguard Chinese business. The EU is investigating whether the companies benefits from illegal funding, which would hurt European manufacturers and the economy. China dominates EV production around the world, boasting a large manufacturing capability, low prices and a giant market. Many European alternatives haven't been able to keep up in local markets. More from China's business front. A number of state-owned enterprises have reportedly been helping equip armed forces across China, though their businesses are unrelated to military supplies. What's more, an investment group announced last week that over half the members of its administrative group are now serving military officers. The entity is based in China's largest city and financial hub, Shanghai. Why is China pairing up business executives with military personnel? Experts suggest there are two goals. One is to equip all citizens with military strength to prepare for war, in the case of Beijing, inciting conflicts and provoking hostilities, while the other is to deploy citizens as armed forces to suppress protests. Li is a historian and China affairs expert based in Australia. 
Because after all, mobilizing military troops or armed police can lead to coups, while mobilizing militia organizations can suppress domestic issues without interfering with the stability of the CCP regime. Four days ago, protests against the communist regime erupted across China. As for why people are taking to the streets, China's economy is on a downward spiral, and residents are feeling the impacts. That's as Beijing grapples with an ongoing real estate crisis and nationwide salary cuts and tightens public censorship. China's economy is teetering, with a weak real estate market and horrific youth unemployment rates among the most severe issues. Let's zoom in. China, the world's second largest economy, is in a slump. Prices are dropping. The real estate market is in a cash crunch. The youth unemployment rate is so bad, the government stopped publishing it. And some local governments are so broke, medical benefits for seniors have been cut, leading to protests. Tough times across the country. Yet this is the Chinese economy government officials are eager to show the world. China's economy as a whole is improving. We are confident that we can make a corresponding contribution to the general trend of development. That confidence seems like a contrast to reality. Officially, China's economy is improving based on GDP, but the rebound isn't as fast as many investors had hoped, especially in a post-COVID world. An effort to make sure it still churns out enough products for export, keeping China as the world's factory. At the same time, upgrading key industries, especially tech, to become self-reliant or even leaping ahead of the U.S. and other rivals. Needed solutions as China remains one of the biggest drivers of global growth. A slowdown in China is going to impact everyone else in the world. You will have the effect, of course, in demand. You will have the effect in prices and so on and so forth. China saw so much growth in the past, economists say eventually it would hit a wall. Now it's hoping some of the industries we saw here on this trip will help the nation climb over it. Heavy rains and high winds, Typhoon Koinu made landfall on Taiwan's southern tip on Thursday, killing one person and injuring more than 300. Though no direct landfall is expected in neighboring China, tropical storm force winds and heavy downpour are forecast along China's south coast. Let's zoom in. A Category 4 typhoon with winds of up to 157 miles per hour is sweeping southern Taiwan, leaving trails of destruction behind. This typhoon was just too big. I haven't slept since last night. I was so scared my hands cramped up. Typhoon Koinu broke Taiwan's 126-year wind speed record. Signboards and debris could be seen strewn across the street of a southern Taiwanese town. This is the first time this year that the Kenting Main Street is totally damaged. All the food trucks that weren't parked indoors were damaged. Power is out for thousands across Taiwan's southern tip, though the island's capital, Taipei, was not affected. The typhoon is expected to weaken in the next few days as it crosses into the Taiwan Strait and heads towards southern China. Coming up, held hostage by the Chinese Communist Party, a Uyghur American activist just shed light on Beijing's human rights abuses against Uyghurs at a Hudson Institute panel. A few days later, authorities arrested her aunt and sister in China. What tactics has Beijing used to manipulate the Uyghur diaspora? And how many Uyghurs abroad live under the shadow of blackmail by the Chinese regime? 
American thought leaders host Yanya Kellick sat down with Rushan Abbas, founder and executive director of Campaign for Uyghurs, to uncover the harrowing story behind her sister's abduction. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Five years ago, a Uyghur American activist's sister was taken away by Chinese authorities. Today, she's exposing an alarming reality. The Chinese Communist Party is blackmailing Uyghurs abroad and holding their families hostage. To reveal the long arm of the CCP, American thought leaders host Yanya Kellick sat down with Hushan Abbas. She's the founder and executive director of Campaign for Uyghurs. What happened with your sister and how this all connects? Um, September 5th, 2018, I participated in a panel at the Hudson Institute, one of the think tanks here in Washington, D.C., and talking about China's genocidal policies and outlining the fate of my in-laws. By that time, my husband, Abdul Hakim Idris's entire family went missing. My parents-in-laws and three of my sister-in-laws, their husbands and brother-in-law and his wife and 14 of their nieces and nephews. And I talked about those that was televised on YouTube. Six days after this, my own sister, Gulshan Abbas, a retired medical doctor, and my aunt, actually, and she's also a retired school teacher. And two of my closest living relatives left back home. They both got picked up in the same day from 1,400 kilometers away from each other. That's over 900 miles from two different cities. Got picked up exact the same day as a retaliation for my um, speaking out against the CCP. I am an American citizen. I have been living in the United States since 1989. Yet, my exercise, freedom of speech, my First Amendment right, cost my own sister's freedom. In the early 2000s, when the persecution of Falun Gong practitioners was already well known, do you think that that led in some way to what happened to the Uyghur people in 2017? Absolutely the appeasement and the continuously um, taking everything as it is, not speaking out, not holding China accountable, and rewarding China with all the privileges brought to this point today. How is the CCP targeting Americans here? Every Uyghur in diaspora, including all the Uyghurs in the United States, um, Uyghur Americans, American citizens, people who are here legally, students, they all have their family members back home. And the Chinese government basically has their hands on every Uyghur's neck by holding their family members as hostage. In some cases, the Chinese government makes the family members to call their kids and ask them to stay away from 
political activities like the hearing this morning or a protest or speaking out for uh, some of their missing family members and their parents will uh, call them and they say do not get involved with anything think about us if you want to see us alive if you want to see us outside instead of being in detention please listen to us and don't do anything that's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.